Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter confesses, you are the Christ of God, and Jesus responds, tell this to no one. Why did Jesus tell them this? It goes against all we think or should think concerning the gospel of our Lord. Tell this to no one. Previous to this text in Luke, we'll find other things that take place. One is Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue and has only one daughter, about 12 years old. He came to Jesus and begged him to come to his house because his daughter was dying. Before they got there, word is sent that she has already died and not to trouble the teacher. Jesus tells him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. The people gathered there to mourn. Some were paid to do so according to the customs of the time. They laughed when he told them she was only sleeping. But for the father and mother, the words, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. These are the words that stuck. They created faith to believe that she would be well despite all evidence to the contrary. And Jesus took her hand, and at his command, she rose up. Following this, Jesus sends the twelve apostles into the area around Galilee to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near and to heal and drive out demons. With all this prophetic activity, we read then that Herod is even perplexed and wondering who this Jesus is. He had killed the Baptist, but who is this guy? Then Jesus feeds 5,000 men with only five loaves of bread and two fish. All are satisfied, not just full, but they're satisfied. And there are 12 baskets full left. Do you suppose the 12 apostles who had been sent out and told to take nothing for their journey when they went into Galilee now see the equivalent of a basket for each of them left over and wonder, who is this guy, really? No man, human, man or woman, had dared utter the words Messiah or Christ of God. Only angels at his birth and demons when they saw him had done so. A Savior who is Christ the Lord, the angels had said. And what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, was spoken by demons before they were cast out of a man into pigs, that went into, the, into a lake and drowned themselves. After all of this and more before this, Jesus posed two questions. Who do the crowds say that I am? And, but who do you say that I am? Peter makes the great confession and then comes, tell this to no one. How easy it must have been or would have been to proclaim the message of the coming of the kingdom of God with the law they have had along with the visible compassion and healing. How easy to follow one like this with the possibility of no more famine, no illness that cannot be overcome, where demons are cast out, and even death is not a match for this messenger and his apostles. But after Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ of God, Jesus gives the first prediction of his passion, the way of the cross. Jesus tells them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and on the third day be raised. Whoa. It was good and easy to proclaim seemingly earthly gain, healing, ample food, and other blessings of this coming kingdom. These were done to testify that Jesus was a prophet of God. But sinful man, hearing and seeing, would instinctively gravitate to thoughts of wealth and money. A kingdom of glory, where even the current Roman control of Jerusalem could be overthrown. But Jesus goes on to describe the way of the cross and the apostles, and people could not fully understand it. For this reason, it was not time to proclaim Jesus publicly as the Christ of God. The apostles first needed to be taught the way of the cross. Proclaiming a cross would be difficult and would only be understood with faith in the resurrection and all that it would fulfill. They have seen a glimpse of this in the healings and the driving out of demons that gave people back their lives after being outcast. They had even seen life and the spirit return to dead bodies like that of Jairus' daughter. But the idea of taking up a cross and following Jesus after he has just predicted his own suffering and death at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes to be followed by his resurrection. It's all going so well. People are following. The movement is growing. Why then crosses and death? Crosses are ugly. They knew the cross was a form of a torturous death handed out by the Romans. One would hang on a cross, naked, at the entrance of a city, possibly taking days to die as a punishment for crimes like murder or others against Rome. They would hang there as a reminder to those considering similar activity. And Jesus tells them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Proclaiming the need to take up a cross is difficult, but the Christian message is one of life through suffering and death and unworldly glory. It is the suffering and death of Christ that had to be so in order to win for us the victory over sin and death. It also shows us the resurrection and the power it holds for us. If we are able to take up his cross and suffer, Jesus wanted us to know that crosses no longer hold any power over us because they held no power over him. Jesus' earthly ministry of compassion and healing was brought to its finest hour when he was lifted up onto a cross and glorified his Father in heaven by taking on the sins of the whole world, from Adam and Eve to those who will be caught up on the last day when he returns. All sin has been placed on Christ, and in him it has been forgiven by God. For those with much in this life, and seemingly no cross, this news is difficult to understand. Look at the rich young ruler, or the prodigal son, while he is reveling in his momentary wealth. Why does someone like that need to follow and take up the cross of a Savior? They falsely believe that they have all they need. For those who have a little, it's easy to simply want more, but not a cross. Better health, like to get over the flu. A car, not disfigured in a roundabout, as mine was Friday morning. A little more house, like the other guy, a 401k that does not need to be worried about, or an education without debt or possibly any cost at all. Does one need a cross and a savior for those things, or just a loving small g God that wants me to do well and will hand out good things so long as I am good on some level? 
possibly even a level I get to set myself. In contrast, however, are those who realize that they have zip, nada, nothing. Nothing in them. To them, the cross is everything. These are people. These are people, they are not those that don't have cell phones. They are not those without college scholarships. They are not those living in little rundown houses. No, they are those that come to the realization that they are dead and dying. Be they rich or poor, light-skinned or dark-skinned, young or old, male, female, or just confused, Jew or Gentile. They realize they are dead apart from Christ and that only in Christ can they have life. I've been trying to impress upon our confirmation students the fact that dead people can do nothing for themselves. This is because the Bible tells us that we are by nature born blind, dead, and enemies of God. That as such, there is nothing in us that can cause us to turn to God and have faith. It is the Word of God that creates faith as we simply hear and receive it as a gift. I told them as a nurse, I have seen more dead bodies than I can count. And I did something, and I'm fairly sure Pastor Feeney never did this in a confirmation class. I uh, laid down on a table in the library during confirmation class last week to make a point. And the point was by playing dead. In all the codes I had seen in the hospital and all the dead, not one dead person that we coded ever reached out for the IV pumps to turn up a life-saving IV drip. Not one ever tried to pull the ventilator closer to get more oxygen. Not one ever attempted to do CPR on themselves. They were dead, and someone else had to do it all. The law of God shows us that we are dead and have zip, nada, and nothing of our own to appease the righteous wrath of God. Christ on the cross shows us the grace and mercy God has shown to us through His Son. The apostles, after the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, understood the cross, suffering, and resurrection, and all that it gave to sinners who heard the gospel and believed. They saw that the cross that we take up as our own is the suffering we have as we daily remember our baptism and fight against the devil, killing the desires of our old Adam. In Philippians, it talked about working out our salvation. And this is what this is. It's not working for your salvation. It's working in your salvation. It's your sanctification. And this is what takes place. In our struggle, we see our sin and unworthiness before God, and our conscience troubles us, because we know we have no merit of our own. We suffer, we repent, and because of Christ and His cross, we are forgiven, and our cross is lifted. This happens when we remember our baptism, that we have been taken from death to life, not by our own doing, but each of us through the Word of God in our baptisms, where we receive the same Holy Spirit the apostles received, we're grafted into the body of Christ, and given true life, and the promise of hope, and a resurrection like his. Jarius' daughter was raised back to life, and while we are not told, we can only imagine it was one that, that in which she had faith in Christ, who had taken her hand and given her life back to her. 
we likewise have been raised with Christ and given eternal life. The crosses of this world have no power. Fear, poverty, illness, sin, depression, helplessness, the condemning taunts of the devil, which are probably the worst things we can endure, and even death have no power. They only point us to the cross of Christ and His promise that we have shared in a death like His and will also share in a resurrection like His. We have been raised from the death of this life to eternal life in Christ. Why did Jesus command them to keep silent and tell no one? They lived with one foot in the Old Testament and the other in the New Testament. There was a change in progress, a change from the temple as a place of sacrifice to the cross and Christ as the final sacrifice for sin. The miracles they saw and Jesus and his apostles do only pointed to and affirmed Christ as the son that would be obedient, follow his father's will, and glorify the father in heaven through his suffering and death on a cross, and then proclaim victory over death and the cross with his resurrection. With the changes complete, the apostles boldly proclaimed Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. And we too are called to proclaim the wonderful gift of the forgiveness of sins. But it cannot be done without a cross. Amen. And may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ keep you all in this one true faith until life everlasting. Amen.